You are listening to the Less Stress, More Fun podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to navigate endings. You are listening to the Less Stress, More Fun podcast. I'm your host, Master Certified Coach Lisa Schwaller. Each week on the podcast, we talk about how you can rise above the stress of modern living so that you can focus your energy on what matters most and have a lot more fun in the process. All right, let's get started. Hello, hello. It's fun to be here today talking about a topic that's not really very fun. As I'm recording this, the weather outside is full summertime. We're under the heat dome. It's been very hot, no rain. And yet, life is seasonal. There are the seasons we experience in the climate and the weather, and then there are the seasons that we experience in our lives and even inside our own bodies. So the weather is summertime, but in my life there are several autumns and winters, things happening or that I can see in the future that are endings. And some of these things are endings that I'm going to be choosing, things that I'm going to be wrapping up on purpose, and there are endings I anticipate, and some endings are sudden. So I work full-time in addition to having a coaching practice, and in the company that I work for, there have been three layoffs. There were three layoffs over a six-month time frame. There were individuals who were let go of suddenly. Um, that really has impacted my feeling of empowerment over my future with that organization. And another organization that I work with, they have also had changes. It just feels like in the world right now, or maybe it's my life, maybe it's the stage of life I'm in, I'm just noticing a lot of things that seem like they might be predictable becoming much less so. It's gotten me to think a lot about grief and the different types of grief and the fact that grief doesn't have a recipe. In most cases, we're grieving something that is a either sudden or planned for change, and our reactions, they're just going to be what they are. I learned different ways people might grieve, and I've linked a couple of those resources in the show notes, but I thought this particular article was really helpful, and this is an article on grief from the Cleveland Clinic, and they list different phases of grief. They had some things to say about the types of grief. So there could be anticipatory grief. This is grieving before the actual loss. So if you have someone or something that you know is going to be coming to a close, um, you may start grieving ahead of time. I noticed this as my oldest son has graduated high school. I noticed this a year or two before he graduated, that a lot of my the parents whose kids were the same age as my oldest were grieving ahead of time of what it would be like when they left. It was such a curious phenomenon how much people almost expected you to be grieving your child's high school graduation before it happened. The next grief they list is abbreviated grief. And this is where we move through the grieving process really quickly. Um, 
it may follow in this article, they said it may follow anticipatory grief that maybe you've been anticipating this happening for quite a while. So when it does, you go through it pretty quickly. They list out delayed grief. I think sometimes this kind of grief will catch us by surprise where it's we realize that we're grieving a loss that may have happened months, years, even decades ago, because at the time, maybe you were just being very practical about handling what was going on and didn't have the mental or emotional space available to grieve it at the time. They list out inhibited grief of repressing the emotions. I see this very commonly in my coaching clients where there are things where maybe people feel like they're not allowed to grieve or allowed to grieve a certain way. For example, I just had a conversation this weekend where someone was grieving the loss of their pet and they felt like their grief was disproportionate to the fact that the relationship was with an animal in another species compared to an animal in our own species. Like I do think there is kind of a cultural expectation that we should grieve the loss of people and people close to us more than we would grieve the loss of something, an animate creature from another species, like a cat or a dog or a bird, or something that is not alive. When, in fact, sometimes people may not grieve a loss of a person as much as maybe they grieve the loss of a hobby or even a job. There is cumulative grief, multiple losses at once, and collective grief. I think that that is something I'm I'm noticing I'm having a lot of conversations with people about um kind of collective grieving and cumulative grieving. There have been a lot of social challenges in the last few years. And people are maybe not recognizing that maybe losing going to the office or losing some of the social ties and some of the things that haven't come back um, that we're now grieving them. And so anyway, I thought that list was very helpful to me. Again, you can Go to the show notes and click and read everything they have to say about that. One of the challenges I see in the communities where there's a lot of discussion around personal improvement, coaching, therapy, is a lot of binary thinking. That there's good or bad thoughts and things that serve you or don't serve you. And then grieving or not grieving, like that grieving is an activity and not just maybe the emotional weather that we're experiencing. But grief, like every other human experience, is it's just a mental and physical reaction. It's just something that will come, you know, through us. It's not any more or less normal than contentment or anxiety or embarrassment. Um, Grief tends to ebb and flow. And yet the intensity with which we experience grief and the judgment we have about ourselves is largely our reaction to our experiences of grief. And again, I think some of us don't allow ourselves to grieve unless the event being grieved is considered to be of substantial size or importance. But there are some events 
that some people might label small or insignificant, and they can kind of add up. That's why I was really encouraged to see cumulative grief reflected. I think sometimes it feels like there are micro stresses or micro losses. And when they stack up over time, it can end up having like accumulating in a fairly strong grief experience. And I think that is one of the things that I'm experiencing, I know there have been a lot of losses in my life in the last decade, and a lot of losses included putting things on hold for when my kids became old enough to get themselves where they needed to be. And some of the things that I put on hold, I was like, oh, I can't wait until, you know, until, you know, my son graduates and then I'll be able to start this again because I won't be doing the XYZ thing with him on Thursday night. I can go back and do this other thing. And it's not there. These things that I was looking forward to seem to have been wiped out by the pandemic. There are in-person events and experiences that I used to enjoy that just haven't air quote come back yet. And maybe they won't. And I was surprised at how how strong my reaction was. It's like, you know, just because the XYZ professional group isn't meeting once a month like they used to for years, um, it it's not just the loss of the opportunity to go and attend one of their monthly meetings. It's the fact that I had, that there was so much anticipation that I'd be able to have this experience that at least for now, I'm not going to. And maybe you, like me, have been handling the adjustments of the world from 2020 forward until you weren't. That was my experience. I think there were some things where I was just like, you know, in cope, adjust, adapt, you know, be creative. There were some things that I didn't really grieve the loss of at the time that it happened. And I think if you're somebody who, like me, has PTSD, I have complex PTSD, which is just sustained trauma over years, decades in my case. I think what can be unique about a brain with PTSD is that we can be very, very good in the crisis and that being in a state of intense effort or even when there's a sense that it's life or death can be morbidly familiar, but we actually can rise to the occasion. And then when that the need for that, you know, the fighting or the flighting or whatever we're doing to manage the crisis, when the crisis is over, that's when we might really experience those trauma triggers. And I know as far as navigating endings, when you do have something like trauma, anxiety, depression, in the moment of just getting through the everyday, it's almost when you have the moment to relax or to not be responsive, that's really when you feel maybe the most triggered or exhausted or grieving. And I sometimes joke that disassociation is like a double-edged coping mechanism. In the moment, disassociation is brilliant. So if you have or live with someone with trauma, you may be aware of the psychological coping mechanism 
labeled disassociation. It's just, it's literally like checking out the body is there. It may be functioning, but a part of us mentally or emotionally is is just quite literally offline. And then when you land inside your body, when you land inside the experience again, it's awful. So disassociation helps you in the short term. And then when you come back, it can feel terrible and it can feel so like the sense of disorientation and loss is really, really powerful. So how can you support yourself if you're navigating endings? How can you support others who are going through the autumns and winters of life experiences? Oh, I think the first thing is is just accept what's happening. I had a conversation just earlier today about acceptance, and they're like, I just really want you to help me accept what's happening. And I'm like, well, what does acceptance mean? And they hadn't really asked themselves to define it. I think sometimes we think acceptance means peace, means like kind of a calm, um, like rising above the situation. But I actually think acceptance is being in the middle of it. It's a hyper-presence. It's being here. It's, it's staying with what's happening. It's choosing not to dissociate or check out or I'll deal with that later. So if you or someone that you're close to is navigating endings, either endings they're anticipating, endings that are in process, endings that are emotionally unresolved, just being present with and accepting of whatever is coming up. I think that is step one. And the second thing is, please, please be kind. <laughs> Don't judge your reactions or the reactions or others. There's no proportion. You know, grief is not necessarily, we are not logical creatures. Can we just say that out loud? Uh, I think there's so much expectation that we're supposed to be logical and think our way through things, but we are emotional, visceral, vibrant creatures. And the human brain is a complex, powerful system of react and respond. There's no way to know if the grief that you're experiencing of a loss of a professional event is, is, is just activating a lot of other brain associations or a memory of a previous event. It Whatever you're experiencing, it just is happening. It's just happening. And please don't put additional pressure on yourself or others that it should make logical sense. And the third thing I think we can do when we're navigating endings is to double down on taking great care of the animal that is you. We are mammals. We are animals. We need to take care of ourselves when we're in a grieving phase because it can have physical and emotional components, you know, like the complexity of what makes us a mammal. Eat well. Sleep well. When I notice that I'm grieving, there are specific things that I ask myself to do and avoid doing. And I think these tips work really well anytime um, supporting someone who is navigating endings and having grief. Avoid drinking, avoid processed food, eat lots of fresh food. <laughs> Shakespeare used the phrase salad days to describe the time in life of carefree innocence, which is kind of the opposite of what it's like to be grieving and ending. 
when I realize I need a little extra TLC, I'll put myself on salad days and toddler bedtime. That means going to bed a little bit earlier, going to bed when I'm tired, not asking myself to be productive. I invite myself to move more, especially walking, walking without distracting, paying attention, being with myself. I ask myself to avoid complaining to people who are either going to encourage me to be positive. I avoid complaining to people who aren't going to be able to relate. So I will be very intentional about who I open up to and when and why. And the other thing that I do when I'm navigating an ending, when I'm supporting my grief, or if I'm supporting others who are in their endings and grieving themselves, is I'll just create moments of random kindness. Maybe texting a friend, sending an email, posting some encouragement anonymously online is something I find is is incredibly self-supportive. And... I know that the longer I live on this planet, I will have more autumns and winters. In my life, there are going to be more autumns and winters to come. And correspondingly, sometimes it feels like those shiny spring starts tend to be less frequent or they seem less shiny and exciting. I think that as we live longer and we accumulate more experiences, there are are more autumns and winters that we encounter, and there are different reactions to our springs and summer times. I know it can be our habit to brush off sadness, loss, and grief. We have these little pithy phrases, well, this is was meant to be, this is just what's happening, and I don't want that for myself. I don't want to treat myself that way. I don't want to squash, suppress, brush off, minimize my grief experiences, regardless of what the trigger might have been. I want to acknowledge my losses. I want to honor what they mean to me. And I really want to use my endings, my grief, as a way to nurture this part of my experience. I want to take really good care of myself. I don't want to compare or minimize my experience, whether it's my ending or something I'm sharing with others. The longer I live, I really want to learn more about how to navigate endings with grace, with love, with appreciation, and also make plenty of room for anger, disappointment, resentment, and frustration if those feelings come to pass in me. So that's the invitation for you this week, is to just consider what you're experiencing in the seasons of your own life. Are there seeds sprouting with the promise of springtime? Are you enjoying the joyful festivals of a mature summer period? Or are leaves shedding beautiful yet foreboding in autumns? Are there things that are fully in the hibernation of winter? Are there places where hope appears to be hibernating in your life. Check in with yourself and see whether you're more naturally attracted to summer or spring, winter or autumn, and whether you could expand your appreciation of all the seasons of your life. And if you too are navigating endings and they're 
causing grief, how you can support and nourish yourself through those experiences. Thank you so much for listening this week, and until next time. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review wherever you listen. This will help other listeners find the show and bring less stress, more fun out into the world. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you next week.